Welcome to Preaching in Season, a series designed to help ministers in their work of interpreting the Bible and preaching the Word in the many seasons of the church's life. My name is Tim Sensing, Professor of Homiletics, Graduate School of Theology here at ACU. In this episode, we're going to talk about one of the most memorable passages in Galatians. Thank you for listening. The lectionary in year C, proper 6, has Galatians 2, 15-21, or Galatians 2, 19-21, depending on how you're looking at the text. Uh, and, and it's going to talk about the cruciform life. And, and this is a, a dense theological text that has definitely more than one sermon. But I encourage you, just preach one of the sermons on any given Sunday. There's always another Sunday where you could preach another sermon out of this same text. For me, to think about it in terms of the cruciform life, this is where God calls all of us as disciples to live cruciform lives. And it's a, it's a, it's a time to exhort the congregation for such life. I do not know your favorite text in Galatians. Which text is placed on the refrigerator magnet? Which one do you memorize first? Which one do you put on an index card and put in your, in your shirt pocket so that you can always have it close to your heart? Some texts are heralded as hallmark text, a text with a stamp of quality embossed upon it. The text I was asked to memorize in college was Galatians 2, 19-20. One of the very first texts that, that I remember memorizing and, and knowing by heart and being able to say, over and over and quickly, uh, no matter where I was or what I was doing. Hallmark texts exemplify the heart of the gospel. And as we move towards this grand summary of Paul's theology, uh, let's, let's summarize a bit. The gospel, first of all, is complete. There are no supplements. And that gospel is clearly stated in Galatians 1, 1 through 4. When we ask the question, who sets things right? The answer is God. If you fail to grasp that it is God who justifies, it's God who makes us righteous, it's God who includes us into the people of God, then it's easy to step to start enforcing boundaries of who is and who is out. We begin to monitor their passports at the gate. If you have to have any other identifier on your passport other than the cross, then God's seal of approval is no longer enough. And Paul says that way of acting nullifies the gospel. The gospel does not have options. The gospel is the whole of life. Let's read the text. Chapter 2, verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith of Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Jesus Christ so that we might be justified by the faithfulness of Christ and not by the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if, in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. 
But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification came through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Being a hallmark text requires heavy unpacking. Some texts are so dense with the gospel of God that a casual reading does not cut it. Let's pause here and do some deeper Bible study. I do not have some funny short story or heartwarming illustration. Let's just talk about the text for a moment. Not every verse, but the primary theme. Verse 16, yet we have no, we, yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through the faith of Jesus Christ. The King James got it right here. And, and Richard Hayes in his hallmark PhD dissertation that is being used uh, throughout Pauline studies got it right here. The faith of Jesus. And we have come to believe in Jesus Christ so that we might be justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. Jesus' faithful obedience the faithfulness of Jesus. And, and, and that's the same point that you have in like Hebrews 10, 9. Jesus came to the earth for the express purpose of doing the will of God. When Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross and God raised him on the third day, that's what saves us. The fact that Jesus did die on the cross. And that agrees with chapter 1, 1 through 4. Paul says it again in verse 20. The faith of of the Son of God. You are saved by the faithfulness of Jesus. If Jesus had not acted, you would not be saved. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. God accomplishes justification through the faithfulness of Jesus, 16a. We do put our faith, our trust in Jesus, 16b. But Paul's emphasis is that the story of Jesus Christ is about the one who gave himself to deliver us in this present evil age, 1-4. This is the gospel, and you cannot qualify it or add to it. Galatians 3-2 and Galatians 3-5 support God's action and is best translated by the effectiveness of the message that was preached. Do we come to experience God's salvation? Is there one central and uniting theme throughout Paul's writings? If you listen carefully to N.T. Wright or to Michael Gorman or, or ACU's own James Thompson, the answer to that is yes. It's cruciformity. Paul says, I preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. Yet nowhere does Paul retell the story. Hayes would call it the narratival substructure of Paul's writings. Never retells the story of Jesus dying on the cross, but he preaches nothing but Christ and him crucified because the story is on every page. I assign students in my preaching Paul class uh, different sections of Paul. You know, you get Ephesians, you get Galatians, you get Colossians, you get 1 Timothy, uh, you get Romans, you get 1 Corinthians, 
and so on and so forth. And I want you to just to read the letter again, marking every time that you see an allusion to the cross of Christ. Students are to take their assigned portions and, and just make a list. The final count always impresses on them how much Paul relies upon this narratival substructure of the cross. Students come back as, as saying that this is one of the, the most uh, life-changing reads of the text that they've ever had because it's there on every page. It's there in every chapter. Cruciformity in Galatians emphasizes that it's both a cross-shaped way of being in the world and a resurrection-shaped way of being in the world. Since we're saved by the cross, we, therefore, live by the cross. And once you unpack a text like this, it calls us to God's eternal purposes. So what are the implications? Paul says, I died to the law. That's similar to Romans 7, 1, where Paul talks about, I died. The law did not die. That's how Romans 7 sometimes gets misinterpreted. The law did not die. Paul died to the law. Paul says in Romans 7, the law is holy, righteous, good, and spiritual. The culprit in Romans 7 is not the law. The culprit is sin living in me. The law did not die. Paul says, I died to the law. I died and that marriage relationship is now over. And as a dead person, I'm now free from the covenant. I can now marry again as a dead person. I am now free. So Paul says, For though the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I check the news every day on the web. I'm amused by at how much celebrity gossip is there. And the question that I can't seem to get my head around is, why is there so much celebrity gossip? Then someone might come and say, well, why are you checking the news every day? Because it's not just celebrity gossip. It's national news. It's sporting news. It's the stock market. And I might not be checking celebrity gossip, but I'm checking something. My eyes are focusing on different kinds of articles. And, and I don't notice how overwhelming some of those subjects are. I might spend an hour looking at the NBA, even though I'm not necessarily looking at celebrity gossip. Maybe I am. It's just a different form. Paul says, don't you know you're crucified to these idols? The life I live in this world, the life I, I live by faith, of the one who gave himself for me. That life should not just be my confession, mm -hmm. but also it should affect every aspect of my behaviors. And whether it's education, whether it's sports, uh, whether it's uh, financial markets, uh, whether it is some other uh, social system of the principalities and the powers of, of life in America, politics, there, there are all these kinds of different ways in which our lives can just be absorbed in such a way that I'm still trying to live to myself. 
How do I die to my desires? How do I crucify myself? How do I crucify my personal rights, my financial security, my obsession with my health, my obsession with political agendas, my obsession with my professional status, and the list goes on. Isn't this just good stewardship? It can be, and it should be good stewardship for many. It becomes the cornerstone of our lives. We've got to take care of our health. We've got to take care of our retirement. We've got to take care of our finances. We've got to take care of our our family. Yes, it can be just good stewardships. Decisions are made on the basis of finances, for example, rather than faith of the one who gave himself up for me, then stewardship issues sometimes get sidetracked. Stewardship decisions are made in light of faith in Christ who lives in me. What about here at church? Paul's practice for conflict resolution is found right here. And if you listen closely, this hallmark text solves all your divisive problems. Not all your problems for living a crucified life might just create some problems. At church, can I model losing? When teaching a Bible class, do I have to have my way? Do I have to have the last word? Do you have to please me and my understanding of a text? What about always wanting to be a change agent or always wanting to be a cutting edge or progressive in church? Let's change this church according to to my vision of the community. That too is idolatry. I just make the church into my own image in that kind of sense. When we think about virtues and doctrines as a whole, what you believe and how you live are integrated. What you know transforms how you behave. The way you see God and the way you see yourself and the world are should be one and the same. You know, we can pick examples, doctrinal examples. Let's pick a doctrinal issue. Well, I cannot even pick an example without it causing someone heartburn. I can use someone else's example. Let's, let's talk about one cup congregations. But I cannot choose examples that are local. You want to hear a hard word for the pulpit? Until you give up your examples, you have yet to understand the implications of the gospel. Let's talk about this issue. Then you can fuss and fight about that issue. Let's talk about this issue. Then we fuss and fight about that issue. Until you give up your issues, we've not yet learned the implications of the gospel. Because we live, we live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The life I now live in my body, who I eat with, who I serve, how I behave at Walmart, how I vote in election, how I engage in social media, the stocks I invest in, etc. I cannot somehow disassociate my body from my spirit. It's a form of dualism. The life I now live in the body has social implications. The life I now live in the body has political implications. The life I now live in the body has ethical implications. The life I now live in the body has religious implications. The life I now live in the body has financial implications. 
It is my body that I'm now living in. But I have to ask, how will I conduct myself? Because it is Christ who now lives in me. Galatians 2.20 is a hallmark text. It summarizes the heart of the gospel. Church, we have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live. The life that we now live, we live by the faith of the one who gave himself up for us. And this is the call of the gospel. Preaching in Season is a production of the Graduate School of Theology at Abilene Christian University in partnership with the Center for the Study of Ancient Religious Texts. If you're interested in learning more about us and what we do, visit us at acu.edu gst or email us at gst at acu.edu. Until next time.